0: a few lines of wisdom I found recently posted online. If you can start the day without caffeine, if you can get going without pep pills, if you can always be cheerful, ignoring aches and pains, if you can resist complaining and boring people with your troubles, if you can eat the same food every day and be grateful for it, if you can understand when your loved ones are too busy to give you any time, if you can take criticism without resentment, if you can ignore a friend's limited education and never correct him, if you can resist treating a rich friend better than a poor friend, if you can conquer tension without medical help, if you can relax without liquor, if you can sleep without the aid of drugs, then you are probably the family dog I should hasten to clarify that I think that this ideal piece is also attainable for humans, but it's definitely much more difficult for us than for pets, right? Um, simple reason. We have an inner world that is much more profound and complex, and an inner world with such complexity has a tremendous potential for joy and love, but also a tremendous potential for Lack of balance, and stress, and drama. So we can share, you know, in a lot of feelings and instincts with a pet, but uh, our perception of things is what makes all the difference. I mean, we have a level of introspection and empathy with others around us. We have an ability to to plan for the future and see how our, our present actions connect with the consequences. We have a a capacity for understanding and language and symbols that completely escape uh, our dog, our family dog, if you want. And that means that we can love and rejoice more intensely than a pet, but also that we can suffer more intensely than our pets. If you watch the movie Inside Out, this was very Cleverly depicted by the complexity of the control panel that they had. And you, you could see as, as Riley continued to grow, each, you know, every so many years, it would change the control panel to a much more elaborate one. Well, the, the cat or the dog would always keep these two or three basic buttons. So, that depth of perception makes all the difference in how you can experience reality, right? All this is just to, to preface the reflection on, on why faith is so important. Jesus says that faith has tremendous power. He says, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And this high value that Jesus places on faith is not so much, I would say, endorsed by contemporary pop culture, if you want, you know. Kind of what you hear around uh, is the opposite. You can hear it said many times, you know, well, it doesn't matter what you believe. You can believe whatever you want, that doesn't matter. The important thing is to be a good person, that you're honest and just and that's what matters, that we behave correctly. What we believe is not really that relevant. Faith is at times portrayed as a set of abstractions, on which it's kind of difficult to agree. And so you know, let's better just put a, push aside these matters, abstract things that can actually get us into fights and disagreements and divisions and rather focus in what's most important to agree on and we most easily agree on, the moral values and the things we need to, to do to improve things. Now I'm not going to deny the importance of moral values, but I would say that this you know, disregard of faith is quite mistaken. There is a reason why Jesus emphasizes the power of faith. And it's precisely because morals follow from faith. Faith is like, if you want, the the horse pulling from the cart. You have no faith, the values begin to collapse. It's like the vision you have of reality, right? If you're driving, yeah, you need to do the right things with your steering wheel and your, you know, the gas and so on, but you need to see, first of all you need to see where you're going and faith is precisely that is the, the instrument by which we can see more clearly we can participate through faith in the vision that God has over us a much keener perception of our inner world others around us what constitutes human happiness and what doesn't what is important to do and what's not so important to do? Wouldn't someone say that to, to see those things clearly is fundamental for moral behavior, for a good moral behavior? So faith is basically what shapes our vision of the world and allows us to participate in God's vision. You now, I drew the contrast before between our deeper and more complex vision compared to a family dog, well, when you receive faith, your vision is also enhanced above the human level, so to say, you can can perceive things further ahead and more clearly and with more defined lines. So that perception of faith changes everything, even how you perceive the challenges of behaving correctly and resisting temptation. I remember many years ago a conversation that took place between my family Uh, My sister was, you know, holding her baby daughter and doing all the different chores. And my brother, I have a younger brother, and he would be watching my sister do all these things. And he said, you know, I don't think I can do all that. I don't think I can have a child. It's too much work. And then my sister came to me and and reflected, yeah, I mean, I know it's too much work, but that's not the point. I mean, it comes, when you are holding your baby daughter in your hands, it just comes natural to you. You love her so much that you don't think of the sacrifices. You don't even notice. It just comes natural to you. And I I would say something very similar happens in the realm of faith. It's not that difficult to live out Christianity once you see through faith the realities of faith. Once you experience how real God is, how powerful his grace, what a blessing and joy there is in, in giving of yourself to others in the way that Christ teaches us to do. When you experience the reality of Christ in Holy Communion, His providence, what you, when you see what, what a holy life is, you know, I see many times people, people's faith come alive and experience Christ as a real person. And, and that moment, something clicks and prayer ceases to be a chore, something they do just, you know, as a road thing, and, and they begin to pray, and, and they begin to experience prayer as an encounter, or someone who suddenly has this profound perception of the presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Well, they used, maybe they used to drag their feet to Mass, but now they come with, with joy and expectation. And I've also seen, for example, what happens to many people, including myself, when they begin to take a closer look at the life of Jesus or the lives of the saints. And you see these amazing lives, like the one of St. Paul or you know, Thomas More, Peter Giorgio of Assati, Francis of Assisi. And you see the, you know, the, how full of life and joy and love and purpose they were. And how when you, when you do that and you perceive through faith that greatness, it's easy to kind of push aside you know, so much Netflix or you know, buying stuff and so much entertainment. And people may look at you as saying, well, how can you make such a sacrifice? No, not, no need so much uh, internet or mo- movies all the time. Well, there's more to life than that. You know? When you experience that deeper level of what human life can be when you follow Christ, it's like the other things, you, they don't appear so appealing or fascinating, as before. So when you see the reality through faith, through the eyes of Jesus, it comes natural to you to behave in the right way. I mean, you still have temptations, obviously, but it's not as if it was something almost impossible and crazy, nothing like that. You're quite capable now of achieving what would seem impossible, to move this plant from here to the middle of the ocean. It becomes doable. So given that faith is so important, what can we do about it? How can I grow my faith? Well, let me offer a couple practical takeaways. The first one is very simple, is to pray for this gift, to do what the disciples did. They came to Jesus and said, Lord, increase our faith. And faith is a gift from on high. We need to ask for it. So we're asking God, Lord, give me the vision that you have over me and reality around me, other people, life. Give me your vision, Lord, give me your eyes. Increase my faith. And a second step is, I invite you to delve into the intellectual tradition of Catholicism. You know, when you, many times you may feel in today's society that as a believer you seem to hold a weaker position. Other people may laugh or criticize your faith, and you feel like it's, I'm in the weak position, but actually it's not so. Because those who criticize your faith are also in in a sort of weak position in the sense they have no proof for what they say. They're also making a lot of assumptions. They're sort of believing in reverse. They're hoping or believing this is not true. How can they know? And then it's always easier to cast doubts than to hold your position. That's always easy. Just to challenge and question and cast doubts and laugh at someone, that's very easy. To hold your ground, that's what's difficult. So I invite you to do that, to read great Catholic authors or Christian authors like C.S. Lewis or John Henry Newman, who will be canonized next week, or Thomas Aquinas, Augustine. Or um, there's great material also online on videos, like Bishop Robert Barron has this great ministry of Word on Fire. Father Michael Schmitz in Ascension Press, have amazing videos on very great practical things or faith questions. Or look into the lives of saints and the great conversion stories. Many of them are coming out. For example, take the journey of Jennifer Fulweiler, who, a Texan who, woman who grew up hardcore atheist and then became Catholic about 10 years ago, I think kind of significantly diminishing the atheist population in Texas. Or the trip of the journey of Ulf and Birgitta Ekman, This couple were the founders of the largest Pentecostal Bible church in Sweden, a church that established over a thousand other churches in different countries, especially in Russia. Um, You know, very great, charismatic Pentecostal leaders. They became Catholic in 2014, and their story has recently come out. Um, They published their book of the the whole conversion path. And all of these people have this very well-reasoned, conversion journeys into the Catholic faith. And because they came to believe and and deepen that faith, they they have come to perceive themselves and the world in a a very deep way, a way that guides how they behave and it makes it almost natural to them, I would say. Obviously each of these stories is very personal, but you can always draw wisdom from uh, what they saw and what they are seeing. So let us pray for that gift of faith so that we can see more clearly through the eyes of Christ and doing what is right may come as the most natural thing in the world.